Isaiah 53, beginning in verse number 1. As I was communing with the Lord today, he led me this direction. I said, Lord, there's two or three messages still left. And he said, shut up and mind me. I said, yes, Lord. Isaiah 53 and verse 1, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we, notice this, hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath bore (coughs) our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he openeth not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before the shears, <clears throat> before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked. And with, notice this, the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil. Notice this. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and made intercessions for the transgressors. <clears throat> Brother Chris, do the honor. Please, God. The thought that laid on my heart today, I've done something today. I don't think I've ever really done all together. 
I listened to the message that I preached down there Saturday night. And I don't think I've ever listened to a whole message that I've ever preached. And I thought as I was preaching, there was so much more. And you're probably the same way. After you said and done, you think back and you could have added a whole lot more here and there. Which, it's a living story. It never ends. It, it's always changing for the people. The word never changes, but the situations we're in changes. We are here looking at a man called Jesus in the Old Testament that, that was going to be bruised and humbled, if you will, for you and I. Humility is something you don't see much of anymore. Humbleness, <laughs> and don't get me wrong, humbleness is not weakness. Being humble is probably the hardest thing I ever had to do. You know, biting your tongue, keeping your mouth shut. Oh, that ain't hard for y'all. Well, it is for me sometimes. You know, keep your opinion to yourself. Any of those things. Are you with me? Say amen. But you think about what the Lord Jesus did here in Isaiah. Isaiah was telling us, Surely he hath borne our grief, in verse 4, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. That's the way the world looks at our Savior, isn't it? It's sad to say that's the way a lot of church folks look at him. Look like him, at him like he is weak. Look at him like he is uh, not really what he is. That maybe he was just a, a lamb, a sacrifice, and that was all he was. No, he was a man, but he was all God. Now, as I was studying today and reading and, and thinking on this sermon tonight, I got to thinking about the power that he did have that he could have used any time he wanted to. I mean, he could have made toasty critters out of every single one of us. All he had to do was speak the word, and we'd have been done. The rocks would have begun to cry out in our stead because we won't. But he humbled himself to take on himself our grief, our sorrows. He took our cross on him. He took death on himself that we don't have to face death. A Christian just changes addresses. Amen. I mean, in hell they're dying and never ever get through dying, but in heaven they're living and never get through living. I'm going to the land of the living. One thing that we need, God help us not to get like some of our TV evangelists, headed and high-minded. You know, them guys can walk on water. Yeah, they can walk on water. 1995 or 2995, they'll help you walk on water. Am I telling the truth tonight? Most of them are not really humble servants of God. Now you think about it. Why would you need five Learjets? Why would you need to that kind of expense? Do you know what it costs to keep up a Learjet? My brother owns a, uh, a jet. He owns a prop plane. 
In so many hours, you have to rebuild that thing regardless of what shape it's in. Every single year, it has to go through an inspection. And I ain't talking about like we do our cars. These guys know that if they don't inspect that plane and there's a crew that comes around and does it, and if they don't inspect it and that plane crashes, it's back on them. My brother year before last had his and inspected, and the guy said, pull your wings off, you got one cracked. You've been flying around in it with a cracked wing. Now, the thing about a cracked wing is you don't really know it's cracked till it's a little too late. But he had to have it fixed and have it inspected when he got it fixed. Now, I don't know about you, but that humbled me quite a bit to know I'd been flying around on grace and mercy. (laughs) That would humble me. I'd been out there still shouting, thank God the wings stayed on it. But sometimes we get so headed and high-minded that we think we deserve five Learjets at a million dollars a year upkeep per jet. A million dollars a year. I'd like to have a million dollars to put into the work of the Lord. But listen, I'll drive my rice burner out there. You know how many rice burners I can buy for a million dollars? I don't either. They don't cost that much. I didn't give them $16,000 for that car brand new. Brand new. Now divide that out into a million I'll never wear that many out in my lifetime, nor your lifetime, nor most of the people in this congregation could have one for the rest of their lives still not wear it out. Now think about it tonight. Humbleness, our Lord and Savior had the power to kill, to heal, do whatever. All he had to do from the cross was cry out and a legion of 10,000 angels would have come out of heaven and rescued him. But even better than that, all he had to do is speak it, and the cross had been gone, period. But see, he went to that cross. He humbled himself. He was spit on. He was mocked. He was ridiculed, but humbled himself. The Bible said he uttered not a word. As a sheep going to the shears, he was dumb. Are you with me? Turn in the New Testament to the book of Matthew. Stay with me as we look through some scripture tonight. Matthew chapter number 3. If I can get my fingers to work. Matthew chapter number 3, verse number 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Wait a minute. The God of heaven in the flesh is going to be baptized by man. Why? But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and cometh thou to me. Woo, boy, that's a big statement, wasn't it? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Are you with me? Say amen. John said, Jesus, I need to be baptized of you and you're coming to me to baptize you. Jesus said, we got to. I'm paraphrasing. He said, we got to. It's already been written down. 
And when it's been written down by God's men, by God's hand, by God's anointing, it's going to be done. And he said, now let's suffer it to be so right now. How would you like to talk face to face with Jesus and Jesus telling you, baptize me? How would you like that the God of glory walked straight up to you and you beheld him afar off and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world and Jesus says, I need you to baptize me. Would that give you the big head? You'd probably rent a billboard, wouldn't you? said, I baptize Jesus. Some of our evangelists today would, wouldn't they? You know why? And I found this out a few years ago. You may not know this. A few years ago, one of our Christian, real, godly men brought it across on the radio, and I was listening to him, that he had found out that they do a study on every message that's put out over the airwaves, whether it's radio or television. Whoever you put it through is keeping a record of what kind of response it got. So if it got a good response, they can preach it again. And if it brought in a lot of money, they can preach it again. And if it so happened that somebody else preached it, the money man will preach it next time. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that, had you? One of the greatest known evangelists in the world in our 200 years or so made a statement that sounded just like this, not word for word, but he said, I notice when I preach and they shout a lot, I have no conversions. But he said, I notice when I preach and I go home and fall on my face and say, God, I feel like I'm a failure. He said, I noticed we had conversions. That's what we're after, isn't it, brother? Converts. We're after, listen, you can shout the roof down, that's all right. That's well and good. But that don't save them. We're planting seed, yes we are. We're watering, yes we are. But sometimes them, them messages that hurt us a little, that kind where we can't shout, you know, that'll humble us. That's what the message is on tonight, by the way, is being humbled. Christ humbled himself before John said, John, you've got to baptize me. It's already written. We've got to do it. <laughs> Why do you go sing? Why do you go preach? What is your prayer life? Do you come to church just to be seen? Do you shout just to be seen? Do you praise the Lord just to be seen? Hello, listen to me. I know a crowd that does. I know a crowd that comes to church so everybody can see them shout. I know a crowd that comes to church, amen. Listen now. (laughs) Simeon in the Bible said, can I buy this? Wasn't that what he said? Let me just buy this. 
See, he had, he had had counterfeits and he had saw charlatans and he had saw all of these things go on around him and he thought everything had a money base. For the Bible said the love of money is the root of all evil. And he saw a good response when the Lord done what he'd done. He said, can I buy this? He said, your money and thee perish. Paraphrase it. In other words, you can't buy this. I like what Preacher Ken Brady said here one time. He said, listen, you can work it up if you want to, but if you don't pray it down, it ain't worth a hill of beans. Working it up ain't humbling. Praying it down's humbling. You know why? When you go to praying it down, God's going to say, humble yourself before the Lord. Humble yourself in an altar. Humble yourself to the point where you will repent. Hello, church. Say amen, somebody. I don't want to be up here all night of preaching. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 1. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain. And when he was said, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Are you with me? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Hello. Are you with me? Say amen. I, I need to say something right here before I read any more. Can I teach you anything tonight that will help humble you? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Humbleness. Are you with me? Humbleness comes with meekness. Chris, I know you've done alluded to this several times. Sometimes we just have to bite our tongue, don't we? We don't like to. At least he's honest. How many of us would lie about it and say, I always get it done? Sometimes the whole top of my head blows off. Does yours? I mean, your temper runs plumb out of the top of it. Right? Blessed are the meek. Well, you know you're not real meek when you're blowed up like that. <laughs> Jesse Duplantis, I was listening to him. He said he'd been witnessing to his neighbor for months, trying to get him to come to church. Jesse said his daddy called him and said, Son, wrap your pipes. It's going to freeze tonight and they'll bust. Jesse said, Daddy, we live in southern Alabama. It don't freeze down here. His daddy said, Jesse, wrap your pipes. Jesse said, he said to himself, My daddy's crazy. 
he got up next morning, and his wife got up, and she said, Honey, we ain't got no water. He goes under the house, there's water everywhere. Pipes frozen, busted. He's tapping on the floor, telling her to cut the water off. What'd you say? Cut the water off. What? Cut the water off. I can't hear you. What'd you say? See, the water's running. She couldn't hear him. He said, I crawled back out from under her with a monkey wrench in my hand. I have all intentions. I'm going up there and kill her. He said, I've crawled over spiders. I've crawled over. He said, by the way, where does all that trash come from under a man's house? Broke glass. He said, I crawled over. Must have been a bushel tub of it. He said, everything in the world was on that. He said, I'm ready to kill her. He said, I crawled out of there and I'm muddy. I'm wet. And she's still up there hollering, I can't hear you. He said, I come out from under there with that monkey wrench in my hand with all intentions of killing her. And said, there my neighbor stood with his teeth a grinning and said, having problem, Jesse? He said, wouldn't that have been a real good time for me to invite him to come to church in, in the shape I was in? I done had murder in my heart, murder in my mind, murder on my lips. I'm going to kill her. He said, I looked up at him with conviction in my heart and said, yeah, I'm in a mess. You know, it pays to try to stay meek. If anybody had a right to be upset, it would have been Jesus. Betrayed, lied on. Even their own law, they didn't follow their own law and procedure of trying him or nothing else. He had every right to be angry because they didn't follow their own rules. But the Bible said he uttered not a word. He uttered not a word. I'll tell you, he's a better man than I am. Sometimes I need to put my foot in my mouth, plumb up to my knee and shut it. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Are you with me? Say amen. Matthew chapter number 11. Maybe you've been contemplating killing somebody lately. Turn the water off, it'll help. Matthew 11 and verse number 27. All things are delivered unto me of, the father, of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son, but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Listen now. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Whoo. Anybody need rest? Said take my yoke upon you and what? Learn of me. For I am what? Meek and lowly and hard. Ye shall find rest under your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you with me? Say amen. Meek and lowly in heart. <laughs> it's hard to be lowly in heart when your blood pressure is 300, ain't it? Your anger level. <laughs> Brother Carol Atkins and I, we, we joke one another He'll say, my blood pressure's out the roof. My cholesterol went with it. 
You ever get that way? I mean, your face turns red. Ain't nobody. I'm just talking about me. I know you folks don't get this, but it's all about me tonight, okay? I'm trying to learn and teach myself to be meek when I really need to be. You know, you know, like when they're cussing you out, and you ain't done one thing. I was telling somebody the other day when I was pulling mobile homes. That last curve at the top of the mountain up there before you get to Louise's restaurant, you have to send somebody ahead to stop the traffic because the 80-footer, I have to go plumb over in that left-hand parking lane to get around that curve. My son's up there with a ton truck with a flashing light with an orange vest on with an orange flag standing in the middle of the road waving his hands, and this lady drives around him. Never slows up. I'm in the left-hand parking lot over there making that. I'm in low gear. I'm just idling. She slides up under that trailer. She didn't miss hitting it that far. She jumps out and cusses me out. I said, ma'am, did you see a ton truck sitting up there with flashing lights on top of it? Yeah. I said, did you see a man stand up there with an orange flag with an orange vest? Yeah. What was he trying to get you to? I don't know. I said, you sure didn't stop and find out either, did you? Yeah, she gave me a tongue lashing like you ain't never heard in your life. And it was her fault. If she'd have hit it and tore it all to pieces, her insurance would have had to pay for that mobile home. Now think about this. Sometimes it's our fault, but we're the one that gets mad about it. Hello? You ever got mad at yourself? You ever said, hey, dummy? (laughs) More than once, amen. Jesus never, ever had to say that. You know, sometimes Christians... And I've ran into this being a pastor. Chris, this will help you, son. Listen. We went to buy this carpet right here. Me and my wife went over to Hendersonville over at Carpet World or whatever it was. And I said, I need samples of all your industrial carpet. I think there was six if I remember right. I said, give me a sample of all six of them. I'll take it to church. They can pick out which one they want and we'll order it. So we brought the samples back, got it and took it back over there. And that lady said, where's your committee? I said, what do you mean committee? She said, I've never dealt with a church on carpet issues that they didn't have at least one carpet expert. You know what she's saying, right? They come in here knowing more than what I know and I'm in this business. I said, ma'am, you're looking at us, just me and her. We do good church. They voted on it. This is what we want. I can't remember. It seemed like it was 160 yards of it, a lot, all the way through the church. But she was astonished that we didn't have a committee. How many, (laughs) God help us. This is one reason we don't do a whole lot of functions like this either. Uh, we have been a time or two with the church group. And if you talk to restaurants, 
waitresses. Am I getting close home now? Most of them will say, I don't like dealing with church groups. They're the most impatient people. They don't tip. They don't talk to you right. They don't treat you right. Anybody ever heard that besides me? Ain't that sad? That we are not known for our meekness. Not weakness, but our meekness. Isn't it funny that that a church group would be talked in a manner that I wish we didn't even have their business. Isn't that sad? That Jesus never once gave an ounce of trouble, but trouble came to him. Everywhere he went, trouble came to him. They wanted to crucify him. They wanted to run him out of town. They wanted to kill him. Amen. Now think about this. Just a couple of more and we'll go. Turn over in the book of Luke, chapter number 18. Meekness is a great attribute for a Christian to have in his repertoire. Luke 18, are you there? Verse number 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Uh-oh. I'm going to get into the holier now crowd. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Now, that's brazen, isn't it? I mean talking about the man beside of him praying. Woo, come on now, church. I don't know about you, but I've been that guy on the side of me praying. That might have ruffled my feathers. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now listen, are you with me? And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Are you with me? Say amen. (laughs) How's your attitude? I've had to deal with this over the years. Do you believe right here at Charity Mission Free Will Baptist Church, I've had people tell me, I, I hope so-and-so don't come here. I've had that, Brother Richard, right here in my own church. I said, friend, you've got the wrong pastor because that's who God's after. That's who God's wanting. God's wanting them that's troubled inside. God's wanting that sinner to come into this house. But sometimes we'll snarl our nose up at them, won't we? Mm, that's a humble spirit, ain't it? God, <laughs> God, I don't mind them coming. Just don't let them sit next to me. 
God, it's all right for them to come, but let them come on Sunday night, Wednesday night, when there ain't many there. Well, that's a real humble spirit, isn't it? You know anybody like that? I know preachers that's like that. I've had preachers tell me, I don't want that crowd. You know who this is talking about? Me. <laughs> that's who this is talking about, me, because I used to be that crowd. They wouldn't have let me in because I didn't fit their program. <laughs> Brother Glenn, bless his heart, I love that man dearly. He is my brother. But he can't preach without a coat on. And when we first started going to Jamaica, that was one of his rules. You must wear a coat. Well, the first year in Jamaica, I wore that coat. I stood up every night, looked like a melted ice cream cone. Water dripping out of the tails of my coat. That year we come back, and I said, Brother Glenn, I appreciate you letting me go, but I don't guess I'll ever get to go back. And he said, Why, Brother? I said, I can't wear a coat. And that's one of your rules. Even when we left and went through the airport, he wanted you to have a coat on. He wanted you to dress right, and ain't nothing wrong with that. He wanted you to look right. At least not like one of the pimps that went with us. Every time he went with us, they took him in the back room. He come out carrying his boots and his shirt. Yeah, they strip searched him every single time he went through Atlanta. And he said, why do they keep doing that to me? I said, if you didn't look like a pimp, they wouldn't do it. Glenn said, amen, preacher. I just had a shirt on and a tie. I didn't have a coat. But I didn't have multicolored cowboy boots and a, a priest collar and a a log chain. And then wonder why they strip search him. You know there's a difference in being humble and being smart. I remember the first year I went through there, the first two times I wore cowboy boots. I got back home that second time, I went and bought me a pair of penny loafers. You know why? You ever seen a fat man trying to get his boots back on after he went through? I mean, don't cut your hair off. You're going, <laughs> and there's 900 people wanting to get by you. Son, I got me a pair of penny loafers where I can slip them on and just keep trucking. I'll look like a cowboy when I get there. I'll be penny loafer through the airport. And everybody say, Preacher, where's your cowboy boots? I said, in the bag. I don't have to have cowboy boots to be a cowboy. I didn't have no cow to round up no how. But isn't it hard for Christians sometimes to be humble enough to allow whosoever will? Not realizing at one time we were the whosoever will. Boy, I'm glad God didn't put no restrictions on me when I come. He just said, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And he wanted to save an old cowboy. Amen. Thank God for that. John, chapter number 11. Two more verses and we'll be gone. Not an amen even on that. John, chapter 11, verse number 1 said, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town 
of Mary and his sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Are you with me? When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now we know why. I'm not preaching on why tonight. I wanted you to see that Jesus loved others. You remember the Lord said when much is forgiven, much is required. We see that the Lord loved a sinner. We see that Martha got down and washed his feet with her hair. Is that humble or not? <laughs> I'm going to hurt somebody's feeling either here or by the airway, I'm sure. Have you ever been in a foot washing service? <laughs> you know, the Lord wanted us to do that for us to be humble. And I know and understand that some folks' feet stink. Mine do occasionally, mostly morning and mostly at night and sometimes at noon. And yeah. I mean, nobody's feet really smells like a bed of roses. But you think about that dry, dusty, barren land they were in and those sandals, those feet were nasty. And they come in and the Lord got down and washed those feet. Listen. We're talking about the God of heaven washing his disciples' feet. Now, isn't it funny that he washed all of them's feet? Now, you figure the rest out. Even the one who's going to betray him, turn his back. Even Peter, who was going to deny him three times. Now, think about that. Are you humble enough? I was trying to remember who told me this story. They were a visitor at the church, and it was raining, and it was muddy. And when he come in the door of the church into the vestibule, there was a guy there, had a robe on, and got down and, and washed his shoes and cleaned them before he come into the service. And he thought, boy, that's nice, you know. Have somebody there so you don't get mud all over the carpets. He thought, man, that's really nice. Somebody's thinking a little bit. He said, then when the bell rung, said the guy took his robe off, come into the service, walked up the pulpit and began to preach. How many preachers do you know would wash feet like that? They might appoint a deacon or a steward or somebody else, but how many do you know would get down and wash the mud off of people's feet as they come in the door? I remember... Brother Gentry, Ronnie Gentry, told me when he preached overseas in the Philippines, it had rained four or five days in a row, and he said there's eight, ten inches of water in the streets. 
He said when we got to the church, he said there was at least ankle deep, between ankle and knee deep, going to the church. He said them Filipinos got out there with blocks and stuff, and he never got his shoes wet. They laid it down. They were in the water, and they laid it down so his feet wouldn't even get wet. And he said, that humbled me so much. He said, I, I just barely could preach. And I, and I thought about <laughs> little lady there in Jamaica that loves me dearly. She's cut all to pieces. A man cut her all to pieces and throwed her out of the cart 50 mile an hour. I'm talking about with a machete. Miss Lynette, little bitty skinny thing, about like the sister Laura. And it had rained and blowed in that place. And she took her sweater off and got down on her knees and wiped that floor with her sweater and wrung the water out of it. Now I'll tell you something. If that don't humble you, I've got plenty of sweaters and shirts. I could do that easily. The next day, Brother Richard, we went down to her house. Her house was made out of skids put together. That rain had caused water to be that deep in her house. Skids, about a 12 by 12 room. And she opened the door and said, it's a little wet. If you don't mind coming in, come in, please, and anoint my little house. Now, I, I'm ready to fall down in the dirt right then. Just let her use me as a doormat. I look, and there's a door on the wall at three foot height. I thought it was a table. No, that's where she slept, on a door hanging off the wall. This is a woman that had not before took her sweater, probably the only sweater she had, and mopped the floor and wrung the water out of it so I wouldn't kill myself preaching. And I said, Miss Annette, I said, this door, is that your table? She said, no, honey, that's where I sleep. She said, I put it up that high because the water gets up almost that high sometimes. Now you're talking about humbling you. She's the first in that church and the last one to leave. She shouted, whether they're singing or preaching, she was shouting. She is praising her God. She didn't have two nickels to rub together. I'm going to tell you what she done for a living. She went through the trash dump where she lived, picked up plastic bottles that brought two cents a pound. what I thought too brother she had sacks of them laying around I said Miss Annette how much will all them bags bring she said probably a dollar a dollar and a quarter American and she as happy as if you'd said a hundred dollar bill how humble are you tonight are you as humble as the Lord yeah, we've got the power. Listen, folks, most Americans have got more to eat than they can eat. 
Most of them's got a decent place to sleep and cars to drive and clothes to wear. Uh, you, has anybody ever seen them bail clothes? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you take clothes that's got a hole in them up to uh, Goodwill, they don't try to sell them, they bail them. They put them in five, six, seven, eight hundred pound bales. And that's what they ship over there that those folks live on. Something that we've thrown away. And they ship them over there and they're glad to get them. You remember the container we sent with all them new clothes? Sidney almost got killed the first day he opened that up and pulled a box out. He had to get guards. He said most of them had never seen anything new that was free. Of course you'd want one. You wouldn't care if it was the right size. How many ever wore breeches is too big? Shoes is too big. Anybody ever put cardboard in the bottom of them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did that many a time growing up. My brother wore them out and then I got them. Are you with me? Say amen. Life scripture tonight, Ephesians. And I'll be done with you. Ephesians chapter number 5. Are you with me? Say amen. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. He's our example, isn't he? And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. He sacrificed himself. Let me close the message tonight in this way. I don't want to hurt nobody's feeling, but it's the truth. You haven't sacrificed anything when you pay your tithes. You owed that to God anyway. Anything above that, then you begin to sacrifice and give something to God. We owe Him the, the tithes. We owe Him that. We also owe Him the praise. Now, I, I know I'm going to get a lot of backlash, but I'm going to say it anyhow, it's true. We owe Him to come to church three times a week. Because that's the church services. Sunday, morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We owe that to God. Then we ought to be willing to sacrifice and go to revival all week when the church has revival. And even when another church in the community is having revival, we ought to sacrifice and go back them up. Because we want them to come back us up. Isn't it always good to see visitors sitting in your church in revival? It's good to have them on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. What are you sacrificing? Will you humble yourself and give it to God? It's just a reasonable service is what he said. Just a reasonable service. God is not unreasonable. This preacher is not unreasonable. If we're going to have revival, we're going to have to sacrifice. <laughs> You're going to have to sacrifice that recliner and get to church. You're going to have to sacrifice a little time in prayer. Sacrifice a little 
fasting maybe for the service and somebody to be saved for I want us backslidden to get back right with God. What about it, church? Would you humble yourself tonight and let God have his way? Let's stand together.